This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. And of course, welcome to the latest MK1's Meets episode. Um, Ross and Joe, uh, obviously welcome as always. I'm sure we're looking forward to this one, uh, Ross, and uh, how are you doing yourself? I'm not doing too bad, obviously, as you just said, looking forward to the episode. Yeah, you got a nice delivery for the post today, didn't you, as well, for uh, Mr Houghton? Oh yeah, certainly uh, one which uh, put a smile on my face. Yeah, I'm chuffed with it. Yeah, they look good, mate. Yeah, enjoy them. And I uh, look forward to seeing them framed, that's for sure. And uh, Joe, you mentioned pre-recording how you're a bit tired, but I'm sure this will uh, wake you up a bit. Yeah, 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 should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, we've got the pleasure of welcoming on um, MK Don's uh, goalkeeping coach, uh, Dean Fortin. To Dino, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, guys. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, uh, very happy to have you on, an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, getting to know a bit about yourself at the Donsons prior to that. Uh, pleasure on mine, lads. What you've done has been brilliant. Been really, really, uh, really happy with the podcast and it's superb. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a interesting first season, especially with uh, you know, rest of the first full season and yourself as well. And um, yeah, it's been interesting, interesting to get people's thoughts on how the process is going and where they see it because there's certainly a lot of uh, well, at times, different thoughts about it all. But, yeah, it's been good commenting on it. And, uh, yeah, look forward to it continuing. Brilliant. So, of course, I've kind of already introduced yourself anyway. Um, you're the goalkeeper coach at Milton Stones, aren't you, Dino? So maybe could you give us a bit of explanation about, well, maybe, maybe obvious what that exactly involves day to day? No worries, guys. So my my job title is uh, Head of Goalkeeping. So, as you can imagine, my, my day-to-day job is looking after the, the senior keepers at the club. Uh, at the moment, we've got Andy Fisher, Lee Nichols, and, and Laurie Walker. So my my main job is is looking after them boys and keeping them fighting fit, and obviously being uh being ready for Russ if they need they need to pick them for for a game. Uh, I also work closely with the assistant manager with uh, 
the set pieces side of the game as well. So as a as a team, we come together. But yeah, my main role is looking after the the three senior goalkeepers at the club. Yeah, very very good. Yeah, and uh, I believe um, we're going to touch upon quickly as well prior to Don's what happened in your career. And uh, Ross has got the first question, so I'll let Russ uh, Russ Ross uh, take it away. <laughs> First of all, Dean, I hope you and your family are doing well through these tough times. Um, the first question I wanted to ask you was, how was your experience as a football agent? Uh, different, very different um, compared to what I normally used to do, obviously, as a football coach. Um, I had a year as, a, as an agent. Um, very good and also very bad. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, I think the, the pros about it for me were I enjoyed learning more about the, the business side of the game. Obviously, my background is I signed for QPR as an eight-year-old and went through the academy system and ended up being at Wickham and then got released at 19 and then went straight into to football coaching. So from my, from my point of view, I, I didn't really learn anything else at school apart from football, that was, but that was my choice. Um, so from that side, I enjoyed uh, learning more about business. Um, I enjoyed uh, the, trying to create pathway for players, uh, giving them an opportunity to, to obviously try to be a professional or to improve as a professional. Um, I'm very grateful for the company that I work for, a company called Omni Sports. Um, obviously, Scott Fraser is with with that company at the moment. So I'd like to tell Liam I at least have one percent in getting Scott Fraser's to MK Dons. So that's uh, that's that's one percent from me. That one. <laughs> yeah, cheers. <laughs> no, that. that was all Liam and Russ. Nothing doing me at all. <laughs> um, but that, that was a good side. But the the tough side was I didn't realise how many agents there are compared to players. Um, there's thousands and thousands of agents for fighting for one player, um, and that's that's so so tough. Um, if you're a, if you're an under 18 player now at any academy, um, you've got probably 20 to 30 people fighting to to get your contract. It's um, extremely tough. I didn't realise how how big it was, and that's the truth. Um, I didn't like being labelled as an agent. Obviously, coming from the coach's side, you go to a game and. You see some of your, your colleagues that you worked with previously and they go, oh, no, Dino's an agent now, stay away from him. Uh, that, that was tough at the start to, to get used to. Um, what, what I found tough also was some very good players with some horrific agents, so, so bad. And you're thinking, come on, like, try try something new, at least go to someone that actually cares about you. Uh, but that's, that's what I found really tough. Um, and obviously I've been used to routine my whole life, uh, being told to go to to train at this time, being told to be coaching at this time or something like that. But with, with the agency, um, it's pretty much make your own day, make your own week, make your own month. Obviously, you can only go to the games what are on Tuesday, Saturdays, but the rest of the time, it's it's really tough to, to fill your days. Um, obviously, you're watching players on on different platforms like Y-Scout. Uh, you're trying to, to get meetings, but obviously, there's only a certain amount of time you can you can meet players because they're, they're with the club so much. Um, I found that really tough. Uh, it was a routine, and that's why I'm glad uh, Russell picked up the phone and told me to come to M the Mighty MK Dons. We're glad to have you. Also, um, yeah, it sounds like you had a tough job on your hands uh, as an agent. Um, I'll pass it back to Liam for the next question. Yeah, so obviously a bit before you became a football agent, uh, Dean, you know, you uh, were in Taiwan for a bit, weren't you? As, your, as a national goalkeeper coach over there. That's that's quite a unique experience, actually, and I suppose not many goalkeeper coaches get to do that. So I was kind of intrigued as first of first of all how that actually went and how it came about, also, and what was 
Taiwan like as a place because I I'm quite a keen traveler. I haven't actually been to Asia really too much. So yeah, what was what was it like? Um, very eventful and another okay. horrific story. <laughs> oh God! Wow. <laughs> um, no, uh, the country was brilliant. Uh, the people were fantastic, uh, especially with myself. Uh, I loved it over there. Um, I was there for only three months, um, and that's that's another story. Um, but during that time, I was in uh, Japan for a month. I was in Indonesia for a month with the with the Asia Games. So it was uh, brilliant for for seeing obviously different different cultures. I loved it. Um, how it started, I it was pre-season, uh, and I was at Swindon Town, and I got a phone call out of the blue from the the national team manager. Um, I didn't know him, never heard of him before. Um, and he just rang me and said, um, you've been recommended to me by uh, someone called David Rouse. Now, David Rouse uh, at the time was uh, working for Man City as uh, goalkeeper recruitment. But previously, David had been uh, the first team goalkeeper coach at QPR when I was doing the academy. Um, but he also actually ended up being the, the Taiwan national goalkeeper as well, um, a coach. So um, that's that's how we, we come into contact. Uh, and he said, look, he thought I might be interested in the role. Uh, this was a Thursday. Um, and I got told pretty much I've got 48 hours to make my mind up if I want to go to Taiwan. Um, wow. So this was, at first I thought it was a prank call, I'll be honest. Um, so I went into training Thursday and uh, I was like a little bit mixed up in my head, like thinking, was that was that call real? Um, done done training the day, come back in the evening. I got the, another phone call back from the, from the manager saying, um, have you told Swindon? And I was like, no, like I've, I've not been, I've not seen a contract or nothing. Like I've only been told what you told me. Um, and he, he said, Look, I'm going to send the contract over now. I've, I've spoken to a few people about yourself and they seem to think that you'll, you'll do really well for me. Um, so on the Friday, I went in and I went to see Phil Brown, who's the, the manager at the time at Swindon. And I just said to him, Look, I've, I've been offered this opportunity. Uh, what do you think? Um, and at the time I was, I was 30 years old. Uh, and he said to me, Dean, I'll be honest with you, I'm like, you're 30 years old, you've done academy, you've done first team, and now on your CV, you're going to do an international job. And he said something that like you can't really turn down. Um, I told him the, the money that I'd, I'd be earning, um, and he told me to uh, to go straight away, pretty much. Um, but no, Phil, Phil Brown was brilliant for me. Um, he told me to, to go and do it, and he said you, you would love it. Um, I went out there, and I pretty much, the day I arrived... Um, the makeup of what I've been told, the goalposts seem to have moved a little bit. Um, so I'll be honest, I was I was quite worried, uh, worried from when I first went there. Uh, in my head, because like I said, I had 48 hours to make up my mind. In my head, obviously, didn't have enough time to to go through everything that I thought I'd I'd need to look at and delve into it more. Um, I told, as you can imagine, I because the national scene, I imagine that I'd be there for maybe a month to six weeks. I come back to England, then I go back over in a month's time, or so like that. Uh, so I pretty much said to my missus that I'll be back in a month. Um, when I got there in the, uh, what was it, the July, um, I got told I wouldn't be going back to Christmas from day one. So oh. like, can you imagine, like, I told my missus, yeah, I'll be home in a month, when actually I probably won't be over six months. Um, so that, that went down really well. Um, so when I when I got there, it, the goalposts had changed, like I say. Um, what was going on at the time, which I didn't know, there was a, a government election. Um and as you can imagine, what's what's politics got to do with football? Um, there was an election going on where they told the the manager that uh, the government are going to change a government, basically. And the first thing they're going to do is sack the national team manager. Um, 
So that was, again, out of the blue. And bear in mind, before I got there, they'd been on the best run I think they've ever had in their, their history. So it was a strange one. I didn't find out there's a lot more to the story than, than people will know, but it's basically a, a player didn't get on with a manager and his uncle was a politician of the country or something like that. Um, so I got told basically after a month, you could be getting sacked. Um, so in my head, I was like, okay, like that's, that's football. I understand it. The contract was, was fine for me. I pretty much got told, look, if you get sacked, you're going to get paid all your money. So in my head, I was thinking, right, okay, brilliant. Um, I've been in Taiwan for a month. I want to get a, a good load of money to go back to England with. Obviously, the season has started. Um, so in my head, I had planned that I'd go around to see a couple of coaches that I know in a game and watch other, other teams work and other coaches work. So uh, it was set up pretty nicely for me. Um, it went on for three months. And then the manager pretty much put on their toes and said, look, um, if you don't want me to, to stay in Taiwan, um, I've been offered another job. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty much keen to stay here, but if you don't want me, I'll, I'll go. Um, and I never really got back to him. So he decided to go to Hong Kong. And because he resigned and chose to go to Hong Kong, um, all our contracts become void. So we got no payout, me and the, the three other English staff. Uh, so I was there for three months. I got paid for three months. I come back and the, the season has started in, uh, in England, which is which is brilliant for me. Well, that's eventful, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not quite an about... Alan Pardew. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, Jerry. Sorry. I was going to say, not quite an Alan Pardew eight year payout then. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I was, I was watching that the other day and that, that was incredible. That, that's oh, the Andy Woodman. Contra- ah, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah, that's uh, that's a story and a half of the hour uh, i'll pass it over to um joe to talk about maybe a bit more simpler topic in regards to players and like, development no worries yeah I, I guess with a lot of us um you know we we watch football and we you know we might play football but hardly any of us are you know a goalkeeper is such a specialized position so when you're you know maybe looking for a new goalkeeper or when you're training goalkeepers yourself, what sort of qualities and traits do you look for? Is it, you know, balance? I guess maybe height might come into it. What? Because I, I can imagine that it's probably, a, there's a lot more things which, uh, you know, people that aren't necessarily in the goalkeeper world won't actually realise are actually really important traits for a goalkeeper to have. Yeah, um, it's really tough, um, goalkeeper recruitment. And it's, I'll be honest, it's really tough in, in the way we play right now. Um, because yeah, yeah. there's so many goalkeepers out there, but how many are, are very good with their feet is, is tough. Um, I look for a couple of things really early on, in all honesty. Um, the first one is, for me, you have to be a winner. Uh, you have to be able to thrive on pressure. You have to have a, a relentless approach to be a number one. Um, because at the end of the day, goalkeeper can be a, a very lonely place. Um, and especially when the, the crowds are in um, and there's, I don't know, 10,000 behind your goal calling you every name under the sun, it's, it's tough. Uh, while the other 10 outfield players can run around and hide from it, uh, the goalkeepers can't. And nine times out of 10, when a goal goes in, everyone blames the goalie. Um, so it's, that's what I look for straight away. You have to be a winner. Uh, that's, that's a big, big one for me. Um, another one I look for is you have to have the ability to learn and more importantly, want to learn. Um, you could have every tool under the sun as a goalkeeper. Um, but if you don't want to improve and you don't want to, to get better and maybe even adapt as a goalkeeper to help you, um, you you're really going to struggle, really going to struggle. Um, and the last one I look for really is, is bravery and being coachable. So, and what I mean by bravery is be able to perform under pressure. Um, the, way, the way we played, obviously, when, when Lee was the goalkeeper, 
he has to be really brave on the ball. And obviously, Fish is now coming to the team and he's doing the exact same thing uh, right now. Um, obviously, from a, a, a five-corner model with the, the technical, the tactical, the site, the social and physical, um, I made it really easy from a technical point of view. Um, has to have that ability to make big saves. So match-winning saves where you're, you're getting points for the team. Uh, tactical, really simple, have to understand the game. Have to understand the way your team's playing in and out of possession. Uh, psychological, uh, look for nerve strength. So when it's really tough um, and your back's against the wall and you're 1-0 you're up and you're, you're dealing with balls into the box and it's relentless, you have to have that nerve strength where you, they know that you're coming for the ball or you're going to make that big save. Um, from a social point of view, uh, I'd say you need to be a leader. For, for a goalkeeper, you have to be a leader. Um, and that doesn't mean by you have to shout nonsense at them. A leader can be a quiet leader um, by the way you perform. I look at Lee. Lee's a big, loud character. I look, I love that as a leader. And Fish is completely opposite. He, he's not as loud, but I think his performances have shown that he, he will be a leader in, in time. And the same with Laurie. Laurie's brilliant as, as well. Um, and from a physical point of view, obviously, everyone talks about, oh, you need to be six foot five. You need to be massive to be a goalkeeper. Um, everyone's different. Like I'm not six foot five. I'm I'm five ten, and the, the three senior goalkeepers are probably laughing now because they probably sound five eight. Um, <laughs> but from a from a physical point of view, um, just be an effective mover in your goal. Have, be quick because you can be the biggest goalkeeper in the world, but if you can't get down, well, there's, there's no point being a goalkeeper. Go and play basketball. Um, so that's what that's what I look for in a from a real easy breakdown. Brilliant, brilliant. And one thing I was thinking that's probably way more important for a goalkeeper than any other position is maybe concentration, especially in our system, because, you know, we might have the ball for five, ten minutes at the other end of the pitch, but then all of a sudden, you know, he, you know, one of the goalkeepers could be called upon. So I guess that that's another uh, maybe trait, which, massive, you know, maybe a, a, yeah, a striker. Because as well, if, if a striker misses, um, you know, a golden opportunity, you know, nothing really happens. You kind of just shrug your shoulders. But if a if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, more often than not, I guess it, it ends in a goal, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I go back to, Joe, about the, the big save. You, like you say, we, we should have possession in, in most of our games and they might not touch the ball for 80 minutes. But in that last 10 minutes, that, that team might get that one opportunity and the goalkeeper's there and he makes that big save to, to keep us in the game or even to, to win us the game. Um, and that's going back to my, my point earlier. You have to be have that ability to make that big save at a crucial time for us. Yeah, I just, I just think, just as you say, I just think back to Sunderland away. There's a couple of absolute beauties, and and uh, yeah, I think everyone was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a really frantic last ten minutes. But you know, there was some real key saves pulled off on, in that game. Imagine, imagine watching that game um, through your laptop because you're not allowed to go to the game because of COVID. Oh, God, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. I see, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right excellent um so i believe i'll hand over to ross now for the next question cheers yeah you've came across some top keepers in your time i can imagine and i wanted to know um who's the most promising goalkeeper you've trained um alongside or with um trained um i think someone that i would say most promising for me was and still is, is Joe Lumley. Um, and the, the reason why I say that, Joe Lumley is at QPR still. Um, I got Joe at 16 when he got released from, from Spurs. Um, and Joe, uh, Joe Lumley at the time was, was my first time as a full-time 
um, head of academy at, at QPR as a goalkeeper coach. So for me, I had Joe 24-7 um, and I got to, to help him with his, his career and his pathway. Um, so for example, at 16, Joe wasn't playing in the youth team. So I put him out on loan to, to a local men's team um, and he struggled really early. Um, bear in mind, he's 16, he's playing, he's playing men's football and he's, he's still trying to develop into his body. Um, but he come back an absolute monster. Um, and I don't mean monster because he's a big lad, I mean monster that his game completely changed. Um, so for me, most, most promising was Joe because he, he didn't get an opportunity early on at QPR. He had to fight and be really patient for the shirt. And eventually he did get that. And obviously he's still there now at 24. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really, really proud of him for, for me for the most promising, I'd say, just because I got to put my stamp on it really early with him. Um, we, we speak every two, three days now. Um, and he always asks for, for my advice. And I ask for his advice as well with, from a player's point of view. Um, like I say, back QPR, I got really, really lucky. Um, I had some really good goalkeeper coaches in the first team when I was doing the academy. Uh, I got to work with uh, Rob Green, who was the England goalkeeper at the time. Uh, Julio Cesar, they signed him from Inter Milan, Champions League winner. Brazil played, I think, about 90 times for Brazil. Um, and I remember being, I think I'd have been about 24, 25, and I was obviously outside the road at the academy building. Um, I got a phone call to say that you're the, um, I think it was Kevin Hitchcock at the time as well, and of course. And he said to me, uh, you've got to come take the first team today. And I was like, okay, who's in thinking it'll be like the, the younger pros? No, uh, Rob Green's training. I was like, oh, okay. And I'm 24 and you're nervous. Of course you are. Um, but then I thought like, why, why am I being nervous? This is the reason I want to be a goalkeeper coach. I want to, I want to work with the best goalkeepers in the world. And Greeny, Greeny for me was brilliant. Um, really helped me because he, he put it on my toes really early. Uh, made it awkward for me, which I thought was brilliant. Um, but that's, that's the respect we, we had. Um, I think Will Green was, was still underrated by a, a long, long way. He was such a good goalkeeper. Um, Hudo Cesar was a, a different challenge altogether. I remember the first day he walked in, um, he strolled across the pitch in a pair of Mizunos. And I'm looking and thinking, you either don't really care that you're here or you're so good. And after watching it for 10 minutes, I went, yeah, you, you're so good. Um, he, he was incredible. Uh, what, what he did was completely different to a, a typical English goalkeeper. Um, so, for example, if you're doing a, a routine set of volleys, uh, just getting hands warm in a warm-up, obviously the goalkeeper coaches or the, the, the uh, other keepers striking the ball at the, at the goalkeeper and they're catching it. Um, who looks his eye from like 10 yards? You're hitting an easy volley at him and he's powering it. And I'm thinking, hang on, like, we're hitting 10 volleys. I've got need 10 balls. Like, why, why can't you just catch it? And he turned around and said to me, Dean, why, why am I going to catch it when I'm never going to catch it in the game? And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's different. But... When I say parry it, he would parry it a mile. The ball would be at the halfway line. He wouldn't parry it there to drop down the geese he's got to tap in. Um, you'd hit a, an easy volley and he'd just boom it off his, off his wrist. And you're like, wow, like this. And you could tell, like, I really wish QPR got to see him 10 years earlier when he'd have been like around about 24, 25, because I imagine he must have been unreal. Because even at 34, 35, he was such a good goalkeeper. Um, and another one I'd say promising, um, and I've got, I'm really lucky that I, I've actually trained with him when I was uh, I was two years old with him at Wickham. I also got to coach him at QPR. Um, was Alex McCarthy um, when he was fourteen and I was sixteen in the in the Wickham youth team? Um, as you can imagine, he's trying to he's trying to nick my spot as a as a youth team goalkeeper, which I, I wasn't really happy about. 
Um, and I did everything I could to not let him get my shirt, but he, he did take it. Um, I always say it was down to his size because he's massive, but no, it's, it's nothing to do with that in all honesty. He's, uh, he's been brilliant and I'm, I'm so proud of him, the, the career he's, he's having. Um, obviously a Premier League goalkeeper now and been in England squads. But for me, like, I, look to, I look at Alex and um, he, he had everything as a, as a young lad. And I'm, I'm, no, I'm not surprised at all he's in the Premier League right now. I guess, I guess, obviously, it brings some satis satisfaction um, alongside the job when you see all these pro uh, players go on to bigger and better things. So, you know, you you're doing something right. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so, uh, uh, Russ. <laughs> um, but like I say, at QPR, like my, that was so good for me as a, as a young goalkeeper coach. Um, I got to work with some, some really good goalkeepers. Obviously, when they got to the Premier League, the, the better player come come across and you see him and like I was just trying to think now off the top of my head like Alex Smithies was there Matt Ingram was there uh, Radic Cherney Paddy Kenny uh, obviously Greeny and, and Julio I got to work with them on a I wouldn't say a daily basis because my, my main role was the the academy but I was lucky that the goalkeeper coaches in the first team trusted me to to come over and assist them in, in any way they needed needed me to do um, but I'm also very grateful for them for them keepers and entrusting me and and not just telling me to, to go to the side and watch. Yeah, some top goalkeepers you've just mentioned there. Um, I believe Liam's got the next question. Yeah, so uh, stick to more of a Don's focus now, Dino. Um, obviously, it's been near 18 months now since you joined the club. Uh, of course, he was Russ's first appointment to his coaching staff. Um, so we were just wondering, what was the first factor which you say drew you to the Don's as a football club to join? Uh, I've got two two real, uh, reasons why I drew, uh, come to the MK Dons. Um, oh, the first one for me was I come to actually come to the game when you played Liverpool in the cup. Um, obviously, I know Stu Moore well from my time at Swindon, but I was uh, obviously an agent at the time, and I I went to Stu before the game, um, and he said about obviously we had a chat about the game ahead, and you're playing playing Liverpool, such a big team, and I, it was when I got to the stadium um, and it was full. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is unreal. Like, this is top, top draw. Um, and I thought, imagine imagine this team being in the, in the champ or hopefully the Premier League one day and this being packed because the atmosphere was electric. And I thought, wow, like, what, what a stadium this is uh, for, for a League One team. Um, the second one and probably the most important one was um, is Russell, Russell Martin. Um, obviously, I got to train with him for, uh, I think, three years at Wickham. Um, honestly, the... The guy's incredible. Um, and I don't say that really easy, to be honest, because he's, he's, my, he's my friend. But, like, what he's done in, in his career um, is unbelievable. And I'm, I'm not surprised one bit the way he is, how professional he is. Um, I, th I think I've, I've said a few times that, obviously, I've come to MK with Russell through a joke, basically, where I've, I said, yeah, I'll always be your goalkeeper coach when you're a manager one day. And, obviously, it, it come true. Um the way the way Russell is, um, I, I've got so much belief in him, uh, so much belief in uh, Luke Williams as well, and the rest of the staff at MK. Um, but when when Russell Martin calls you to to come and join his coaching team, um, I, you can't turn it down. Uh, for me, it's, it's impossible. Um, I really think he'll be a top top manager. Um, he'll be a Premier League manager, um, and hopefully, I, I do a good enough job that he, he takes me with him. That's that's, that's the. Uh, that's the plan, or keeps me keeps me with him. 
or it's here. Yeah, fingers crossed. Why, why not? Why not? Why can't it be here? Yeah, exactly. Um, completely agree. And every single uh, press conference that Russ does, and then you know, more the more sort of interviews he does, more and more people seem to buy into his sort of philosophies and ways. And obviously, he's only been here a short time, but it's very easy to catch on, and there's a reason for that. Um, and you know, the, the, the dynamic between yourself, Luke, and Russ seems to be a really tight one, and you really understand. You seem to understand what you want to get out of your teams and that we haven't really had that in a long time at this club at least um so yeah it's really positive to see and um yeah it, for it me, just shows for me, it it's, um, honestly it's the the perfect scenario for me um my first ever job in as a first team goalkeeper coach when I was 28 uh was was Luke Williams at Swindon so I, I got to work with Luke really closely there and um honestly he's a genius tactically he's a genius um, so when, when I went into the office to meet Russ and he said, look, I'm, I'm going to be appointing an assistant manager. Um, I've been recommended Luke Williams. Do you know him? And I was, I thought he was joking. I was like, yeah, of course I do. I work with Swindon. Like small said, world. I've heard, I've heard yeah. so much like good stories about him. I went, oh, Russ, honestly, if you, if you bring him, bring him in, um, for me, like the, people, people go to work and some people hate their job. Honestly, I love, love my job. I get to work with two close friends. And I get to work at a great football club, like, and I'm working with a great set of goalkeepers. Like, I, honestly, I can't ask for anything more, and I'm, and I'm extremely grateful for the for the opportunity. Um, but yeah, the, the staff we've got at the club is, is brilliant. Um, obviously, Cramo's been there, I think, since MK started as a club, and the stories he tells us is is fantastic. And Matty Wilmot, the sports science department, like, everyone's got a, such a buy into to Russ, and obviously the the, the most important people, the players. Um, we all trust the players and I know the players trust trust us as staff and I, I really think that um, we will be going places at MK I, I really do um, you talked about style style there Liam um, I have to have this argument every weekend with family with friends and it's normally about goalkeeping as you can imagine um, but like you said about style of play um, I spoke to someone the other day and I said like, okay if you, your goal, you've got a goalkeeper Here's a, he takes a goal kick and he kicks it direct as he can, 60, 70 yards. He has 10 goal kicks. Um, he loses eight. The other team get the ball, but he keeps two. Okay, well done. He's got 20% possession. I went, but if we play out from the back and we keep the ball eight times out of 10, nine, you normally hear, oh, yeah, but he gives the ball away too much. Well, hang on. He's kept it 80% of the, time, of the time, where your goalkeeper's kept 20% of the time. But because he's launched it 70 yards at the pitch, that's successful. And I'm, I'm turning around, like, pulling my hair out, going, no, 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 that's... That's not successful. Like if, if I was a plumber and I said, I'll come around to your house, but I can only fix a job eight out of 10 times, would you be happy? And they go, probably not. I went, all right, imagine if I've done it two out of 10 times, would you be happy then? And they go, well, no, I went high. I went, that's my point. And honestly, the, the rows we have to have sometimes, but the style of play is, again, incredible. Um, what Luke and Russ do is, is brilliant. It's different. Um, I wouldn't say it's unique because obviously you look at Pep, Pep does it and they're, they're going to be the Premier League champions. Um, but the, the way the boys believe the, believe the style of play and how they deal with it is, is fantastic. Um, I, I do really think that the style of play is going to help us get to where we want to be in, in the long run. I really do. Yeah, you mentioned about the family members having conversations with them. We get it from opposition fans every single week. 
you know, they watch us, what, twice a season and they're always saying, oh, they're making all these sideways passes, not really doing much of the ball. But we watch what we watch it, what, 50 times a season at least. So I just don't get if you're a, if you're a professional footballer, you made a big sacrifice from your eight or nine years old. You finally get to, to be a professional and you get told when you get the ball to smash it down the line as far as you can. I, I don't get it. I really don't. Like you've, you've give up everything to be at that level and you're getting told right in a, in a 90 minute game. You might touch it 10 times in 90 minutes. And when you do, just smash it down the channel for us if you can. I, I don't understand it. That's not a professional footballer for me. Yeah, well, I, I have to agree, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's the truth in my eyes. Um, obviously, you touched about your day-to-day role, but uh, well, briefly anyway, but I'll let Joe ask about more specifics maybe in the next question. Yeah, so what, what does a, a typical day look like for you, you know, whether it be training or a match day? And um, what what sort of um, you know what sort of training do you do with the goalkeepers? Are they involved in the main sessions? And um, um, I, I watched um, a clip from David Priest. It was quite interesting. He was saying about um, why the like about how the goalkeepers they do you know it's completely different what they're doing in their warm ups. And I thought that was really interesting about saying how you know a lot of the warm ups is is just about keeping you alert and and um, getting your mind active, ready for the game. So yeah, that, I've. Um, if you could like elaborate on that, that'd be really uh, yeah. Really I'll, I'll go for I'll go through a, a typical day to day to start with. Um, yeah. And a normal day would look something around about uh, eight o'clock in the morning. Me, me, Russ, and Luke will be in in his office. Uh, we'll be talking about obviously the previous day and and the day ahead, um, and what we're going to do. Uh, eight forty five, we'll have a, a staff meeting, so every staff member will be included. Um, again, it'll be talking about the day ahead uh, from a physical point of view. The physios and the sports science boys will let us know uh, who's injured, who needs this, who need, who's not trained, who is training. Um, and that'll go on for probably around about 15 minutes. Um, by nine o'clock, me, Luke, Russ, uh, Liam and, and uh, Ben will go through what we're looking for in training, uh, why we're doing it. Um, and we'll also... Depending on the day, we're probably looking at uh, an opposition as well and what they do. Um, 9.45, we'll have a, a team meeting. So Russell uh, and Luke will address the, the players, um, let them know what's going on that day, where who's needed where at certain times. Um, and that'll probably run again for about 15 minutes. Um, we have a meeting every day. Uh, we always keep it the same. Um, again, it could be about opposition. It could be about what we've done that week or what we're doing the, the week ahead. Um, so we keep, try and keep everything the same. Um, by about 10 o'clock, myself, Luke and Russ will go be back in his office and we'll pretty much know what we're doing then by what we're doing with training that day. We, we know the numbers, who who's fit to train, who who's not available. Um, so we'll know by then what we're doing. Uh, we'll leave probably about 10, 15. We'll go over to the AstroTurf at Fairfield School. Um, we'll start training uh, normally 10.45, so the outfield boys will be straight with with Matty doing the uh, the warm up with the sports science lads. Um, the, uh, the goalkeepers probably be me for on average thirty to forty minutes. I'd say on a, on a normal day, um, we'd finish training after about ninety minutes. So you're probably looking at around about quarter past twelve. Um, we try and do as much um, extra as possible, uh, whether it's individually based or unit based. Um, from one o'clock till three o'clock. Um, a number of different scenarios will happen. Uh, we could review training. Uh, we're planning training for the following day. Uh, we'll have unit meetings as a, as a defensive group, a midfielders group, a strikers group and a goalkeepers group, or it'll be individual meetings. So it might be, for example, 
I might take Fish um, going for his clips off the gate the previous game. Uh, that's normally from one till three. Uh, from three o'clock, we'll then have a staff meeting as a as a debrief as a whole, and we'll go through the training, the the loads the players took on, um, who did well, who needs a bit extra. Uh, that'll probably go on for about half an hour, um, and then by half three, we'll probably have an analysis meeting with with Ben and Liam. So again, that could be from anything from looking at potential signings to discussing opposition to planning set pieces. Um, and that will go on for probably about two hours, two and a half hours um, on a daily basis. Uh, by six o'clock, the gaffer's probably itching to go for a run. So he'll tell me to go for a run with him or tell me to get into the gym. Um, I politely decline. Uh, he'll go for a run. Um, and then me, Luke and Russ will be back down in the office for eight o'clock uh, where we'll have some food in his office and we'll, we'll watch a game, whether it's our game from the, the previous week or watch a game that's on telly that night or we, we do a lot of recruitment in honesty we, we try and plan as much as we can for for what we need and, and what we've got or we'll watch our players what we've got and we'll look at them and go right where can we where can we help these guys to to improve the style and the standard um, not just standard on the pitch but standard off the pitch as well um, that'll be a typical day for me to be honest um, so Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, me and me and the gaffer and Luke stay at, at the at the hotel, at the club, um, so we can get as much done in them three days as possible. Thursdays, obviously, you're, we're off, and Friday we'll train ahead of uh, Saturday's game. Uh, so that's a that's a typical day for me. Does that answer your questions, mate? Yeah, blind. Uh, no, no, no. It's brilliant, brilliantly, and it's it's just good to see the amount of detail, I guess, that goes into a lot of things that maybe perhaps people don't realise. And um, also, like the sacrifices you guys have to make, you know, maybe being away from home for a few days and stuff, maybe um, we, we, we don't realise that as much. And so in, in terms of goalkeepers training, what, um, yeah. you know, how, how, how would it say different from the outfield players and also in, in the warm ups you do before the game? Because you're probably out, you know, half an hour before the uh, players in, in the, on the warm ups on the match day. Yeah, so uh, a warm up for a match day um, is, is purely for the keeper. Um, and what I mean by that is whoever's playing, it's, it's their warm-up. It's not my warm-up. I don't dictate what, what we should do. I'm not playing in the game. Um, Lee, for example, has a, a warm-up where he says to me, Dean, like, I don't mind what you need to do. Um, I just need to be ready. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, Fish is a little bit different. He doesn't want to do as long out on the pitch. Um, and Laurie's similar to Lee. Laurie doesn't really mind what he does, but the, a warm-up is purely for, for them. It's nothing to do with, with me. It's to help them get their, their eye ready, their hands ready, and their, obviously their feet ready to, to get three points for, for the Mighty Dons. That's the, that's the plan. Um, from, a, from a training point of view, um, obviously we are a little bit different where we do use our, our keepers more, especially with our feet. So I have to um, implement training methods, uh, more footwork-based. Um, but there's, there's pros and cons in both because where other coaches look at it as a con, I only get 30, 40 minutes with the keepers and some have an hour. But we'll include our goalkeepers really early, whether it could be it could be a warm-up and then they do a possession-based uh, practice. But the keepers will be included. They won't be on the, the outside just waiting for a shot. They're actually being used with their feet. Um, so pretty much I, I have probably 30 to 40 minutes a day to, to get what I need from it for, for them guys, um, whether it's looking at oppositions to the type of goals they score. We'll work on a scenario based on that, on with stats and bits and pieces like that. But... Um, 
for example, like with a shot stopping drill, um, instead of it just being a routine shot stopping drill where uh, a ball might go on the angle and they have a shot at the keeper, I'll try and implement different methods where it might start with a goal kick. So Lee or Laurie or Fish, whoever's in goal at the time, they'll start with a goal kick. They'll play out from the back and then it ends up being a shot from that. Does that make sense? So as if, if the ball's turned over, sort of thing. Yeah, so it's 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 getting them out of position where they're working back into position to make a save. Um, it's seeing a practice where it's going to be um, scenario based, where what they're doing is is for the match. They're not just being told right, get the ball and and ping it seventy yards into the corner because we don't do that. Um, we'll work on passing and receiving skills where you're playing into an, an opponent and then you have to be into the line to to make a save. Um, we do a lot of agility-based goalkeeping where it's because we do so much work and you'll be surprised how much work we do out of position because where um, in a game, you'll be surprised how much they actually cover. Uh, I think Matty Wilmot told me the other day that Fish covered 6K in a game, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. And that's not from him running about. That's him being in a supporting position to receive the ball. So you, wow. we have to look. we have to look at the load they... They take on as a goalkeeper, where I, I think most teams, um, and this is this is a guess in honesty, um, I'd say most teams, most goalies probably cover three k to four max, um, and that's because they're they're pretty much in the goal, uh, where we're offering different supporting positions, different angles to to receive and help the team to be that spare man. Um, so we have to do a lot of legs for the keepers. They have to have to they do an incredible amount in a week. Um, and it's it's really tough right now with obviously the the amount of games we've got. We've pretty much got half a season in three months, so we we have to be really really careful in, in what we do with the boys. Um, but yeah, it's just different training methods. Uh, to be fair, Joe, that I try and implement for them, yeah, where yeah. It's, it's they cover all goalkeeper uh, specifics. But at the end of the day, we our goalkeepers use probably their feet more than their hands right now. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that leads quite nicely onto um, Liam's next question. Yeah, um, so obviously, as you mentioned, Dino, you've been at uh, several clubs and even national teams prior to the Dons. And uh, a question we had about this in general was how different is it training a goalkeeper or the union in general for a Russ Martin team compared to all the other clubs you've been at previously? I think I think previous, um, with previous managers, um, it's normally like, right, Dino, you've got the goalies for 45 minutes. We'll We'll see you in 45 minutes. Um, and that's not to say it's not joined up in the terms of how we were, we're thinking and we, we know what we're doing in terms of from a coaching plan. Of course we know, that's why we're, we're there. Um, but in terms of a Russell Martin team, um, first of all, Russell gives me everything I need from a, from a manager. Um, he tells me, Dino, look, if, if we make a mistake playing up from the back, it's not the keeper's fault, it's ours. And we, we understand that. And the keepers know that. Um, so obviously, I, I try and put into the, to their sessions as much uh, reality-based training as as they're going to need on on a Tuesday or Saturday, whenever a game is. Um, obviously, I've been lucky that I've worked with Luke previously. So, I, and Luke's obviously done this uh, the sessions that we we build as a, as a coaching staff, or I've, I've done different sessions to to what we build as a coaching staff, where I've seen it before, if that makes sense. So I've seen the way. Um, Luke's teams played when I joined his team, his coaching staff, uh, and he sat down with me and showed me how his how his goalkeepers wanted to play. And um, it's something that I love because I'm I'm massive with. I believe you're a goalkeeper. Of course you are. You're you're there to stop the ball from going in your net. 
but you're you're a professional footballer. You're a footballer as well. You have to be able to play um, because they you're a professional footballer in a day. You, your your job title doesn't say you're a professional goalkeeper. It says you're a professional footballer. So you have to be good with your feet. Um, and that's why I love the way the game has changed in recent years where obviously you're seeing scenarios now where players are getting picked for their, for their like Jordan Pickford's getting picked for England right now because he's really good in, in the way he plays with his feet, which is fine. Um, Nick Pope isn't right now because he's probably is not as good with his feet. And that's not because of Nick Pope. That's because of the, the style he's being told to play. He, he isn't getting that chance. And maybe that's why he's not getting the chance in the England team. Um, but I'm, I'm a big believer of the way we play with, with, with our feet for, for a goalkeeper. Being that spare man helps us, helps us all the time. Um, but yeah, Russell, Russell's incredible with the, with the players, goalkeepers as well. Um, he puts the ownership onto them and says, look, this is the way we want to play. Um, it it's, might be tough at start, but you'll get used to it. Um, and it's not like we, we turn up on a Saturday and go, right, there's the ball, just go play. We, we don't. The, the players work incredible throughout the week with the amount of the detail they get given and the, the way they take it on board is, is a credit to them as well. Yeah, definitely. You can tell from the outside how much work the team puts in and we saw the progress early in the season as well with the massive run of results we went on and uh, I'm sure we'll get back to that run very soon because that's just how the team is. We will. We yeah, will. we will. Um, okay, so uh, maybe a bit away from the uh, goalkeeper side of things now. Uh, Jerry's got a different side of question for you. Um, yeah, one thing that I think has really been great and especially in the last sort of 12 months when you know, I've really noticed that, especially um, like you, Russ, and, and the coaching team and, and a lot of the players, it seems like there's just been a conscious effort to um, engage with fans and, you know, just really, it almost feels like everyone's kind of pulling in the right direction. Whereas for a couple of years, it just felt like, you know, not that, we, you know, we were just treading water, just going from game to game. But now it seems like there's real long-term vision. And, and I think that, you know, one of the biggest things is that, you know, Russ is, the, the amount of work um, that he's done to sort of get fans to buy in, I think it's been unbelievable. And, and yourself on, you know, social media and stuff like that. And is, so is that something you've perhaps talked about in trying to, you know, be involved with the fans and, you know, like, you know, I, I, we, we're really grateful for you coming on to do things like this. So is that, is that something you, you've like kind of spoke about and trying to like implement? I'll, I'll be honest. Um, we haven't, we haven't really spoke about it. Like we haven't sat down as a staff and said, look, we, we need to, um, speak to the fans more often. We, we haven't. Um, I just think that's how we are as people. Um, when like, I go, I think you go back to your own uh, pictures and scenarios that you had as when you're, when you're a youngster, like uh, I'm an Everton fan and obviously I, I'm born and bred in London, but I've got the opportunity a lot to go and, and watch Everton with my dad. Um, and when you're a young kid, if you see a player take an interest in you or a staff member or whoever's part of that club, it's, it's massive. And, that stays with you forever. And I think like, I'm, I'm an MK Dons fan right now. I am because why I, I want to win for you guys. I want to win. I want to get promoted. Like I'm, I'm not here just to, to be a goalkeeper coach and strike a few balls at the goalkeeper. I'm, I'm not, I'm here to be successful. Um, and if, if you're not here to be successful, you, you shouldn't be part of a club because there's people that like, I, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity I've got. Um, because I know there's so many goalkeeper coaches out there that would want to be at MK Dons. They might be MK Dons fans um, and, and they're never going to get the opportunity for whatever reason. Um, so I know that I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, and for me, there's, there's no better feeling at all when 
you you perform well on a Saturday, you win, the players are buzzing, we're all delighted for the players. But you turn around and you see uh, a little boy or a little girl in the, in the crowd, like so, so happy. And you see their parents happy. That's, that's massive. Um, and that's why I think like, obviously I, I know Russell really, really well. And that, that's him as a person anyway. Um, and that's, that's how I think I am. Um, I want you to be part of it. Like it's, it's your club. At the end of the day, it's your club. It's not my club. I'm, I'm here to, to help you. I'm here to, to get you to wherever you want to get, whether it's to the next level of the championship or obviously the long-term aim, I think for every fan to play in the Premier League, no? Um, yeah, and, 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 and that's why, that's why we're here. Like, can we get to the Premier League? Who knows? Why can't we? We've, we've got a stadium for it. Why, why don't we get the results on the pitch to do it? Um, and I think where you say close to fans, I just, I just think it's being humble and polite. I'll be really honest. Like, if, I, if I'm a fan and I see one of my staff members, like, rude or not want to talk to me, I'll be looking like, hang on, like, I paved to come watch you guys. Why, why am I going to do that in the future? Um, and obviously, we, we, we want to fill the stadium up every week. Because it only helps, it only helps the club and it helps the players. Like the players want to run out to that great stadium on a Saturday or a Tuesday, and there's thirty thousand there. Like, why, why wouldn't you? That's why you want to be a professional footballer. And it's the same, same as me as a, as a goalkeeper coach or a staff member. Um, I'm, I'm here for you guys. I'm here for us to to perform, and I'm here for, for us to win together. Not just it's us first, you or us first, other clubs. No, no, we're, we're here together. We're here together to win. We're here together to perform. And we're here together to make the club great. That's that's part of being a football coach, in my opinion. Yeah, brilliant. Like I say, it's it's um, yeah. I think it's it's been a real journey over the past uh, few months. So yeah, again, can't thank you and you, Russ, and the rest of the staff for that. Um, I believe uh, Ross is up next. Yeah, overall, at your time of MK Dons, what's been your favourite moment so far? Um, favourite moment? Can I have two? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, the first one uh, beating AFC Wimbledon away you know how to get to some of our fans good choice <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're MK Dons we're here to beat AFC Wimbledon though no? of course yeah. it should be given really <laughs> good well, that was my first one um, no I'll be, I'll be really honest the, the, the main one for me and it's, it's for different reasons um, the chart went away result um, and I'll, I'll tell you why um, first of all the performance the players they were incredible that night. Uh, I think that's 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 an MK Don side for me. That's that's what we want to be like every week. Um, I think they obviously had their fans there, so they had I think at the time two thousand people there, and obviously they were against us the whole whole game. I love all that. That's brilliant because we um, we sent them packing one nil. Um, the pitch, credible playing at a stadium like that. Um, that's where we want to play week in week out. Is at the top top stadiums in the country. Um, but the main one for me um, was for the gaffer. Uh, he lost his dad during that week. Um, I don't know if the the funeral was was a day after, but um, what what he what he was like uh, that week, um, I don't think many people could do what he done. Um, he got a phone call to say that his obviously his dad passed away. He was really close to his dad, and he got on with his job. Um, he done everything he could to to make the team perform, to make the team better. He, he gave everything. And I remember um, when we won, 1-0, there's a picture afterward, all the staff jump on him. And I said to him, like, that's for your dad. And I remember, like, close to tears. And I thought, oof, don't, please don't cry, Ross. Please don't cry, Ross. Because we've got to go and shake their hand. Um, but that, from a performance side, for me, 
the the players that night they were they were fantastic. But it was also for for the gaffer and his dad. Yeah, it's obviously um, condolences to obviously Russ, but um, yeah, it's two nice moments there, and I'm I'm sure uh, the AFC one will be at some of the fans' lips as well. I believe uh, Liam's got the next question. Yeah, talking about uh, making memories and doing stuff like that. Of course, you run your own goalkeeping academy, and I suppose whilst the pandemic has, well, maybe put a stop to that in terms of where you want it to go. Uh, how how important is that for you to? learn what you've implemented of course is the same as his foundation but implement what you've learned to the young generation and passing it on yes yeah, it's, it's something i looked to do a long time ago and i, and I started it and i think i actually stopped it for different reasons obviously at qpr I was i was full-time at qpr then and it was pretty much full blast from the academy it was 24 7 and i had to give up my academy for a while but then i moved to i moved to mainland about five years ago and i thought you know what i need to I need to set it back up. So I started up, uh, what was it? I think last September. Um, and the reason why I've done it was um, a number of reasons. One, uh, I use it as a recruitment tool. So getting best keepers into whatever club I'm at or whatever club is local, um, obviously to help them and their pathway. Uh, two is to, to give other people opportunity to coach. Um, I've got a number of coaches that, I, that work for me that obviously take the, take the sessions. Um, and free is to, to get kids learning about goalkeeping and to to want to be a goalkeeper. Like, I, I never, ever wanted to be a striker, um, probably because I didn't want to run. And two, I, I enjoyed defending and I enjoyed uh, that chance of going to nail a forward when he's one-on-one with me. Um, so I thought, you know what, like, let's, let's, let's um, give the new generation a, an opportunity to do that as well. Um, so that's why, that's why I started my goalkeeper academy. Um, I think I actually started it when I was an agent. So I, I think in the back of my head, I knew I wanted to uh, to do some kind of coaching still. Um, and obviously with with football um, and the lifetime of coaches and managers, you could be there for a year and a half, you could be gone. Um, and it's also obviously, if the worst was to happen, I have, I've got another income coming in that if I have to go from an, to another job at some point, if um, if the chairman don't sack me, um, there's something there in, in the in the long run. But yeah, I, I want to build the academy. Um, I want to open probably two or three other centres, probably one in Wickham, one in Reading. Um, I'd like to open one in MK, but I, I appreciate there is there is other coaches out there. And um, I think, as you say, the GK Union is a little bit different. And I, I don't really want to tread on other people's toes. Um, but if if there is a call in for me to, to open a, a centre in MK, it's something I look forward to and I, I look at, but I appreciate there is other, other coaches there um, trying to, trying to deliver the next MK Don's goalkeeper uh, goalkeeper actually, uh, hopefully yeah definitely and uh, I think we'll round it off with a few quick five questions from Joe no worries now when I asked Russ this question he tried to duck out of it really so hopefully you can give me a better answer if okay. you've got a five-a-side team from the current MK Don's team who, who you have in uh, and you, you can put yourself in it if you want I definitely will put myself in it. Um, <laughs> you you can't be asking me to pick a goalkeeper, surely, in that. No, you don't have to. You can have a sweeper keeper, perhaps. <laughs> can I Can I have all three? <laughs> yeah, if you want it. It's your team. It's your I'll team. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, I'll, I will pick a team. I won't sit on the fence. Um, I'll go lorry in goal. And the reason why I say that, the last two to three weeks in small-sided games, he's been outstanding. Um He's been so hard to beat, and I'm standing behind the goal, absolutely buzzing when they're trying to beat him. 
Um, so I'll go. I'll go with Laurie. I'll stick him in goal for me. Um, the next one I'll put in will be. I think you've got to go with the with the skip, the captain Dean Lewington. Um, and the reason why I say Whose that pace is that. <laughs> I, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at you, Dean. I promise. Um, the, the reason why I say that is he'll probably bring his own whistle. So if there's a foul, he'll bring his own whistle and he'll, he'll blow it. Um, and I think I didn't put, put him in. I think he, he might end up trying to kill me. Um, no, Dino is incredible. I'd, I'd pick Dino all day long because he's, he's got that winning mentality and he, he, he I'm sure we'd win every five side with him in the team. Um, my next one would be um, Dave Kasumu. And the reason why I say Dave is I've never seen a player cover so much grass in the amount of time he does. He, you turn and he's gone. Um, and he don't mind putting his foot in, which I love. So, uh, Mr. Kasumu would get in my team. Um, I would have, I'd have Matt O'Reilly. And the reason why I say Matt O'Reilly is, um, obviously, he was training with us a long time before he signed. And I remember him doing a, a shooting exercise with me and Luke. And when you, hear, when you sometimes hear someone strike a ball, honestly, I was about 10 yards away and all I could hear is bang. And I turn around and sit the bracket and I'm going, wow, like, I mean, mate, do that again. And he hit it again, he went in the bracket. And I'm going, okay, uh, do it with your right foot then. And I just heard bang and it's gone top bracket again. I went, yeah, you'll do for me, Matt. You're not a bad player, are you? Um, so I'd have Matt O'Reilly. And I will pick as a forward, um, Joe Mason. Joe Mason in front of goal oh, Mason. is incredible as well. Um, honestly, he can score a goal from 25 yards with a side foot because he'll find the corner. Um, he's su- such a good player, such a good player. It's a shame he's, he's picked up a few injuries since I opened the club. Um, but I'll tell you what, what, what a player MK have got there, Joe Mason. Yeah, brilliant. Great answer. Great answer. Um, a few questions on like, what's the sort of, what's the, who, like, who's the loudest in the goalkeeper union? What, what are the different characters like? And who, who's the funniest dude you'd rather go on a night out with? What, what, do, you, what do you reckon? I'd have to ask Russell if he let me out on a night out with the, with the team anyway. Um, <laughs> I think the, the loudest is Lee. The loudest is Lee. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's probably the joke of the pack, in all honesty. Um, we, we do have a crack to be fair, us four, because um, if it's a game of two touch in the morning, it, it'll probably be uh, north versus south. So it'd be me and Laurie versus Fish and, uh, and Lee. Um, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty good on that. Um, and Lee loves to throw a grenade in every now and again where he'll, he'll stick someone up and he'll try and blame it on someone else. So it ends up being like a, a battle of two touch and he hasn't got actually got to touch the ball. So he puts himself in the final. Um, he's, he's good like that. And to be fair, he's, he's been brilliant. Obviously, he came out of the team this year. But I tell you what, what, um, what he does away from being on the pitch has been exceptional. And for what he's helped fish and, he's, and Laurie's the same. Laurie's, Laurie's been incredible as well. So... I'm I'm so so pleased with the the three seniors that we've got at the, at the club. They're they're all three great lads. Yeah, I think goalkeeper's a weird position because I think it's one of them. Like you know, say say a striker might be dropped. You know, the striker on the bench might be thinking, oh, God, if he misses, I might be in for the next game. But goalkeepers, I think they genuinely want you know their mates and you know if if the if the first team keeps out and you know that they 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 want each other to do well, don't they? Yeah, of course they do. They, they they want them to do well. But I, I think if you ask every goalkeeper, they, they want the team to do well, but they maybe want the opportunity to play. Um, and I don't blame them for that. Like I didn't say only one goalkeeper can play. Um, it's such a tough position. But 
what I would say is that um, the way Laurie and Lee have conducted themselves this year with, with not being the number one right now, um, honestly, it's incredible. I wish I wish you did get to see this because um, obviously with, with the fans not, not being there, you hear everything on the side. Um, and the amount of times I've heard Lee or Laurie shout at Fish to say even little bits like um, man on or find, find this pass. And I've turned around a few times and like, I'm really proud. I'm really proud of them because everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet like we, we want to win of course we want to win and we, and we want the club to do well um, but if you're not playing it's, it's so it's so tough to, to manage but I think that's that makes a successful team it's the the players are not the, the ones that are not playing they are hard to manage because they, they of course they want to be playing if they didn't want to play I'd, I'd be worried um, but like I say the, the gaffer's got um, got a really good group right now and everyone from the lads, the young pros to the lads not playing week in, week out. They, they give everything for the, for the club. And that's something that um, I know Russell's really proud of and as well as, as the rest of the staff. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, got two more quick ones. Are you surprised Russ has got more yellows than you this season? <laughs> um, I've been told that I'm not allowed to talk about officials uh, through Mr. Reid. Um, <laughs> OK. Hon- hon- honest, honestly, um, I... I am surprised. I am surprised. But the way uh, some of the officials been this season, I'm not surprised at all. Um, okay. Well, should we leave no. it there? Then? We... I think, I think <laughs> you're better before I get in trouble. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, well, and uh, so when's the away end uh, appearance happening then? When's this away <laughs> end appearance happening then? Um, I've, I, honestly, I, I'd jump in the away end whenever we win. It, it wouldn't bother me. I'd love to. Um, but I think... <laughs> It's, it's, it's not about me. It's, it's about the players. Uh, and if, if the players perform when they win, like, I, would, I don't think I want, my, I want to see my goalie coach jumping in the, uh, in the away end if they win and, and I've not played. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I know I will jump in the away end and I'll tell you when it will be. It will be when we get promoted. And we will get promoted. I'll take that then. I'll take that. Brilliant. As long as there's a beer away for me, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. If you've got beer for me, I'm jumping in. Oh, we'll save some half time for you. I've like flat there. <laughs> Anything. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. I'll, I'll hand over to Liam to with some uh, closing remarks. No worries. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for answering those questions, Dean. I much appreciated, mate. As always. Um, so the last question from us is: any questions for us in particular? Or yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually got three questions for you. Okay. Right, shoot away. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> uh, three, right. my, I've got three. All right, the first one I'll, I'll give you a bit of time because I think you might need it. Um, the first question for you guys would be uh, if you could sign a player to improve our squad, who would you sign and why? That'd be my first question. I'll let you, I'll let you think about that because I think you're going to need time. Um, my sec, my second one would be when uh, when when Dean Lewington retires which probably be another 10 years or so, uh, when he does finally hang out the boots, uh, where's it, where should his statue go at the ground? The away end. The away like end, it. yeah, I love that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And uh, my, my third question, if you were the manager and you could change one thing that we do, what would you do? I'll start with deciding if you want. Um, I'll go a bit yep. more realistic. Some of the lads can say the answer if they want. Um, when we had uh, Liam on the pod, um, I was a big fan of uh, Pachinko Kamara from Plymouth. 
I feel okay. in terms of a box-to-box midfielder, he is one of the best in the league. It's not the EFL. Um, and of course, he was a previous, he was a striker previously, so he's got an eye for goal himself. So, yeah, I feel like he could add quite a bit to this team. So he'd be the player that I'd sign if I had the choice. Okay, love it. Ross? Um, no pressure. on the spot. Um, I, I don't think he would fit in this system and such, but I really like Sariki Dembele. I, I, okay. I, think it, I think he's levels above this League One. And I think he... Um, Obviously, one day I do believe that it'll be top end championship, low end prem. Interesting, like it, Joe. I am. Um, we. I. I've gone for another Plymouth player, and some I think would suit us down to ground. Connor Grant, um, the left wing back. I thought when we played yes. them, I think, you know, I think this season we've we've had quite a few people play left back, and I think it's been hard for anyone to sort of get any momentum. But we've seen with uh, with Ethan Laird on the right. If you get someone going, then. You know, they can be really dangerous in the way we play. Um, so I think, yeah, with his delivery and, and you know, his eye for a goal, I think he's got like something like three goals and seven assists or something ridiculous. So I think that would, that's the position that, like, it would really add to us, I think. And it's, you know, fairly realistic. Nice, nice. What about if you were managers or the manager? What would you change that we do? Because we get told by a lot of people we shouldn't be doing this, we shouldn't be doing that. So I'm giving you the opportunity. What should you do? Horrible bit oh, of mean, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we, we've on on this pod a lot of the time we we kind of back up what um what's happening on the pitch. Um, I don't, love that. I don't know really. I we have, we have to to be honest. Sometimes we just have to. Uh, <laughs> football the right way, though. Like it, Ross. I think I think um one thing sometimes um I wish I wish um. We'd, we'd try an early cross every now. I think one one thing I, f- I thought on um, Tuesday, and I, I, I love Matty. I think he's got so much talent, but I was I was almost screaming for him to just put a cross in at times and just take take that risk or just try that that killer ball. And I think as well with um, with um, we I think there was that I don't know if you remember Matt O'Reilly put through. I think it was Cammy, and he was just a fraction offside. But it's it's those sort of things where if you just take take a chance early, whether it's with a through ball. Um, like Fraser did against Peterborough for to put Cammy in. Um, I think just if sometimes just taking that early gamble and it, it sometimes can pay off. You know, it's high risk, but and you might and there is a probably a higher chance you're going to lose the ball. But then again, there's potentially the high reward for it. Love it, Joe. Yeah, I mean, mine would be play into that in a sense in terms of encourage more actions in their box. Um, of course, we get into there a lot with all the touches we have in there, but there's times where you just wish someone would have a shot. And it's not saying all oh, the typical I have a shot from however long it's. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, think, I think Wigan, especially, I know it's an off day, but there was times where we touched upon it on the episode of reviewing the game where you just wish someone would just do get have a shot, especially you think it's, um, not, not to pick out names, but Jules, for example. We get in such good positions, but he just not really do much of it and it was quite frustrating at times so yeah if, if I was if I was in your guys shoes I'd try and encourage more actions in their box because you never know what could happen and of course we mentioned Matty just then of course his goal against AFC was because of an action that you would typically take so yeah that's the one thing I took I'd a risk yeah, on. yeah. Well, I've, got, well, I've got one now um, for us to sign a six foot seven striker and who you fit up to uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get the deal Leo, that's the player you want to sign I don't. I don't think he'll make the squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear.
And as, okay. for, as for the statue question, I, I think we should name the away uh, stand, the Dean Lewington stand. And uh, nice. let, let AFC come over to our place and uh, uh, get the humbling they deserve. like it. I like it a lot. Okay, That's think... presuming that we'll be in League Two, though, which I don't think we will be. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That rounds off nicely. Um, thank you very much once again, Dino, for taking the time out of your uh, Thursday evening to come on and talk to us about uh, your role and Don's especially. Um and yeah, keep it up, bit. You're doing great work with the club, and uh, hopefully, well, we will uh, get back to good form. We will get up the divisions, and hopefully, it's with this coach staff in place. No, thank you for your time. Really appreciate, uh, really appreciate, it. and same as you guys. Keep up, keep up the, the podcast. It's it's fantastic, and it's great, great for the fan. It's obviously great for us as well. And hopefully, we'll we'll see you guys soon in the stadium. And I will be jumping in the uh, away end with you. Yeah, fingers crossed we can't wait to get back ourselves. So, uh, yeah, missing it a lot. Okay, thank you for listening to the latest NK1's Meets episode. Uh, As always, if you could rate, review and subscribe, that would be excellent. And as always, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.